there. If you want to turn in your Bibles, if you're not already there, Philippians chapter 4 this morning, Paul begins to conclude his letter here in the fourth chapter. And I want to look at verse number 8 and 9 this morning. He says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, and whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our thoughts. What we think shapes who we are. How we think determines how we handle every situation in life. Paul says here in this text that no matter what's going on in our world, no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what kind of situation that we're facing, if there's anything positive, if there's anything good, if you have anything in your life worth praising God about, dwell on those things. And think on those things. I want to look at a message this morning on the power of positive thinking. God, thank you so much for being so good. God, I pray you'd help each one of us this morning. God, I pray you'd start with me, God, to, to have a power of a positive mind. God, to think of things of you, God, to not think of the things of the world, to think of things that the, the, the devil puts before us, God, to not think of problems and temptations and trials and troubles and heartaches. But God, I pray you'd help us to think on your word, God, to think on the goodness of your word, to think on how good you've been to us, God. On my darkest day, you were extremely good to me, Father. I thank you for being so good to us. I ask you now... Will you teach us something from your word? We love you, Father. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I, when I say the power of positive thinking, I, I haven't sold out here. I'm not talking about some of this stuff you see on television. Well, if you just think positive, then positive things will happen. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about positive things. I'm talking about godly things. I'm talking about biblical things. I'm talking about scriptural things. I'm talking about things that ain't going to change tomorrow. I'm talking about thinking on things that ain't going to wash away. They ain't changed since yesterday. They're not going to change between now and any time in the future. I'm talking about holding on to some truths. I'm talking about some positive mentality that will change some things in our life. Here in our text this morning, verse number 8, Paul encourages us to think on those things, to think on good things. So I took a little bit of time to study and look just to kind of put it over and bring it to you. I know I like to sometimes bring some modern-day things in, so I did a little bit of looking. And even modern science teaches us that, that our lives move in the direction of our thoughts. In recent years, modern psychology has developed what they call the cognitive behavioral theory. It's simply the power of the mind. It reveals the fact that many of the problems that people face in life are generated by their thought process. Problems like eating disorders, relational challenges, difficulties in maintaining positive relationships, dealing with addictions, some forms of depression and anxiety are a result of faulty or negative patterns of thinking. The only way, the only true way to correct the issue begins with the change in that person's thought process. 
Brilliant people. All you had to do was open the Word of God. You could figure that out. 10th century B.C., before any of those scientists ever came around, God wrote a compilation of some things, and he called them Proverbs. And in Proverbs 23, verse number 7, Solomon, considered to be the wisest man that ever lived, wrote, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's amazing to me how much money the science and, and the world will spend to try to find an answer to the question, only to find out that God already had the question answered before they ever started looking for the answer and what kills me is after all that time and all that energy and all that money and all that research to find out that the answer was already revealed in the word of God they still refuse to accept the word of God as the absolute authority even though it proves what they already found out we need to replace worldly thinking with godly thinking don't don't raise your hands right here it's okay, you don't have to. It's just a thought-provoking question. How many people have ever tried to break a bad habit? See, I didn't raise my hand, but me thinks it. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't ever really need anybody else. The best example I have in life is mine. It's just real. I don't need any of your dirt. I got plenty of my own. I don't, I don't have to look back on any of your failures. I, I got plenty to deal with. Before I was saved, and y'all know the part, I grew up in church there my whole life, but I graduated high school. I headed out to South Georgia. I went down to Tifton, Georgia, Abraham Baldwin, and I'm through with church, done with church. Mama made me go when I was home. My parents had me there, and, but, but now I'm done. Number one, they raised me up in a church that told me I could get saved on Sunday and go to hell on Monday, and I never could live it, so I finally just decided y'all can have it. Boy, it's so good to have something that told me the truth, that once I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb of God, my name is written, nothing can take it out. I don't have to worry about the mistakes I make sending me back to the same hell that God delivered me from. I spent a life growing up listening to that garbage, and I finally said, you can have it, and I went. I went off down to South Georgia, went to school, Man, I mean, here I am, 17 years old, in college down there, and I'm learning a lot of new things. I left from there and went on down to Camilla, Georgia, and worked for a couple of years, so I stayed in South Georgia for about five years. But when I moved back home, um, let's just say I had a different vocabulary from the one I had when I left. And I, um, in order to protect my own life, I needed to change it back. I had a, I had a mom at home. And she believed fully in sparing not the rod. Both of my sisters are sitting right there with my daddy. And my daddy will tell you, my daddy didn't have to whip me much. I wasn't one of those that heard where your daddy gets home. I done been beat half to death before he had time to get home. <laughs> my mama didn't wait on nothing. So I had some reasons that I wanted to clean up my vocabulary. But it was more than that. I just, I just had become who I didn't want to be. I, I, just, I just had a vocabulary that wasn't the kind of conversation I wanted to, wanted to do. And, and, and I wanted to change my vocabulary. Now you know why I ask you the question. Anybody ever have a habit you just want to change? But, but it just wasn't possible. I, I mean, let, let me just plug this in for you. I'm the reason you need not play church around me. I've been there and done that too many years. I may not have could have changed my vocabulary, but you can bet your bottom dollar when I was right down Green Valley Drive, my vocabulary was just fine. When I got around the house and I got around my family, when I got around people where my vocabulary needed to be good, it was good. You know what that tells me? 
I'm chief of playing church. You, you can save that stuff for somebody else. We're either saved in the blood or we're not. We're either an act or we're real. I was an act. I, I knew how to pretend. But it wasn't the transformation that I was looking for until January 5th, 1986 when I got saved. When I truly got saved. When I prayed and I meant it and the Holy Spirit of God moved in and all things passed away. Behold, all things become new. Everything began to change, including my vocabulary. Everything began to wash out. I didn't even want to do things bad anymore. I had a Holy Spirit living inside of me to, to help change things. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can raise your hand now. That helped me overcome some things. So what I know from my own experience is that when I side with God, God sides with me. I was raised in church, taught about church, and I spent a lot of years running, and I ran a long way. But when I turned around, I didn't have to run all the way back. He was right there. He'd been there the whole time. And, and God helped me clear up some things. See, when, when it comes to habits, when it comes to depression, when it comes to anxieties, when it comes to the things that we deal with, the things that hold us down in life, when we team up with God, if we truly surrender ourselves to Him, we're also surrendering our heart and our mind. So He not just changes the way we act, He changes the way we act through changing the way we think. We begin to think of godly things. Paul said in Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Put verse 2 up there. Romans 12, verse number 2. I want them to see it. Don't make me have to come back there. You gave me a little rock. And you said I was a priceless treasure and you won't even give me a verse. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the, by the renewing of your what? Of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If we want to change the way we live, we've got to change the way we think. Not for a few days, not for a couple of weeks, but it's got to be a life change. I probably ought not meddle off in this, but I'm going to. It's such a good example. I can't help but use it. People want to lose weight. They go on these crash diets. They dive off into this quick fix, get fixed. And they go on whatever this is for two or three weeks, a month, and they, they lose this weight on this diet. And as soon as they go back to eating real food, what happens? Y'all try to hang I have. I even did a cabbage soup diet. If you really want to lose weight and stay that way, the diet may get you to where you want to be, but if you want to stay there, you've got to change the way you eat. There, there are some things you've got to leave out. And, and God forgive me for even saying it in a Baptist church, but exercise is helpful. I ain't talking about this. I'm, I'm talking about bodily exercise. It's helpful. So, so <laughs> if, if we want to maintain a weight, if we want to maintain health, it involves a change of lifestyle. It involves doing some things different. Well, the same thing is true. If we want to change some things in the spirit, we need to change some things. We, we, I'm not talking about just a, a quick Bible devotion, something that'll, that'll kind of be a little quick fix and, and then it's gone away. But I'm talking about, talking about overall change the way that we think. 
2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse number 3, Paul said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We walk in the flesh. We, we live here in this life, in this fleshly body, but the war that we fight happens right in here. Anybody go ahead and say amen right there if you know what I'm talking about. The, the battles that we face right here, it, it is spiritual warfares that we, that we battle in. It, it is the things that go on inside. But he says in verse number four, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. He says, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds would be the habits. Strongholds would be the depression. Strongholds would be the anxiety. Strongholds would be all the things of the world that, that pulls us down. But he says in verse number five, casting down imaginations. What are imaginations? It's our thoughts. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every what? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. When we bring our thoughts into captivity, when we surrender everything to Christ, our mind is part of it. We have to surrender our ideas, our mentality, our thought process. When we put God's word into our mind, it'll erase some of that stinking thinking that we deal with every day. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Matthew chapter 4. This is just before the incredible Sermon on the Mount, just before Jesus gives us that great teaching there, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus has gone into the wilderness. You know the story. He has fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and the devil comes to him knowing that he's got to be hungry, knowing that he's got to be out there. He, he was just as much man as if he were never God, knowing that his flesh has to be hungry. He's looking for something. He comes. He says, I'm just going to put him to a test right here. We'll see if he's really God. I'll give him something simple to do. He says, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Physical hunger is a lust of the flesh. It is a very powerful lust of the flesh. Go ahead and say amen. So I done talked about diet. Now I'm talking about hunger again. And I ain't getting out until 1230. We're going to starve to death by the time we get out. You got to get off this food if you want me to make it. I'll be seeing people exiting here in a little bit. Physical hunger is a lust of the flesh. So we see that the devil attacked that. He went after what he knew there had to be a weakness that was there. He tried to get Jesus to do something that was not part of God's plan for his life. Same thing he did to Adam and Eve. Oh, by the way, same thing he does to you and I. He looks for the weakness. He looks for the thing that's in need. He looks for the thing that we want, the thing that we pray for, the thing that we desire, the things that we're striving after. He hears us pray. He knows the things that we want. And he begins to put temptations and things out there that aren't the real but similar to. He begins to, to tempt us with things. So Jesus turns the word of God. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The devil failed, so he moves on to the next plan. Same thing he does with us. Just because we got away with one doesn't, doesn't mean he's not going to come back. So he fails here on this lust of the flesh. and So he moves on. He says, Let, let's just see how much pride he might have. Well, pride's a tough deal. I've said this before, and I say it because I believe it based on own experience. I don't know that the devil sometimes doesn't tempt you with things to let you be successful. 
Pay attention. Don't lose me if you've never heard me talk about it. The devil knows your greatest weakness. He knows what you look at, but he knows what you look at twice. He knows what you say, but he knows what you talk about frequently. Make no mistake, the devil knows your greatest area of weakness. So he may tempt you with things that he's pretty sure. If he gets you to fail, great. But if he doesn't, it's not a big deal. He just lets you kind of win that little battle. And before you know it, win another one. In the area of your greatest weakness, he might even give you a little small one and let you win that one. But that begins to build up that pride. That, that begins to build up that inside. I don't know how in the world people go out and commit adultery. You ain't never going to see me do nothing like that. Child. Write your name on the checklist because he's coming. I don't know how in the world and people go out and do something like that. You ain't never going to see me. That's called pride. And once the devil finally... Two screws fell out. Huh? Woo! Maybe back off that thing a little bit. Once the devil finally gets you in that thought process where you're passing things along, be certain he's coming back. And he'll bring your greatest temptation. He'll bring it in full force to do everything he can to get you and I to fail. Pride is a destructive thing in the heart of a Christian. So he takes Jesus, carries him up. It says in verse number 5, He takes him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle temple and saith to him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and their hands and feet they shall... Bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Devil says two can play at that game. I know the word of God too. Rest assured the devil knows the word of God better than you're ever going to. He knows it frontward, backward, through and through. And he's going to use it. He's just going to use it out of context. He's going to use it to get you to hear what he wants you to hear. He'll use it through the mouths of even other people. But, but he knows the word of God. So, so he comes and says, you know, as it is written, and he places that to Jesus. But Jesus, in verse number 7, said, it is written again. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. The devil's like, ah, I'm not done with him yet. I, I, I got another one. Let's, let's see about the lust of the eyes. You know, the lust of the eyes. We, we think that isn't very bad. We think that's not very, that, that, that's nothing on us. Hogwash. You ever see something come up on your phone and it's for sale and it's so cheap today you just got to have it? You didn't need it 30 seconds ago until it popped up. I'm going to get you to raise your hand on this one. Raise your hand. If you've ever been sitting there watching TV, Ice cream ain't crossed your mind. Pizza ain't crossed your mind. Whopper. <laughs> he already got both hands up. Whatever it is ain't crossed your mind until. You think those people pay millions of dollars for a 30-second commercial because it don't matter? They pay 30 seconds. They pay millions for 30 seconds because in about 10 seconds, they can change our mind. We get up from a very comfortable chair that we had no intentions of getting out of to put on something presentable. Well, some do. Some just go to town. I'll leave that alone. <laughs> to put on something presentable to go to town and get whatever we just saw. Why? Because my eyes saw it. Now, I just got to have it. Now, raise your hand if you ever got up out of your chair and went to town because you saw a commercial. 
This is about a 35% honest crowd. God bless y'all many ways. The rest of you liars, the altar is open. You, you can repent anytime you want to during church or after. You're thinking of somewhere you're going to go by the way home right now because you just thought of the commercial you saw last night. He says, well, let's just try. Let's just try that one. Again, the devil's taking him to the seating high mountain, showed them all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. He said to him, all these things will I give thee, if that will fall down and worship me. Jesus, saith Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Verse number 11, then the devil leaveth him, but look at what happens next. The angels came and ministered to him. See, that, that's the same thing that the devil did to Adam and Eve. That's the same thing that the devil does to you and I. The Word of God tells us, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, all that is in the world is lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. The world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. We can't know the will of God until we know the Word of God. Our mind can't think on the things of God until we've read the Word of God. Jesus simply used the replacement principle here. He replaced the devil's lies with God's truth. That's what you and I have got to do. Replace the devil's lies with God's truth. We need to move from the lies that the devil has told us in our mind and replace them with the things that God has told us in his word. And with God's word, we can overpower temptation. You can overcome depression. With the word of God, we can break old habits. We can be victorious over the troubles, over the things in our life by holding on to the promises of God and letting go of the lies of the world. But we can't hold on to what we don't know. That's why it's important to read God's Word every single day that we know the Bible in our heart. Psalms 119, verse number 9 says, Wherewithal shall young man cleanse his way? By taking thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. Behavioral modifications don't work because they focus on the wrong thing. Behavior is a result of a thought process. So if you're going to change the behavior, you've got to start by changing the thought process. You, you think about when Jesus was tempted. He didn't have a smartphone. He couldn't get it out and see what Dr. Whoever, I don't do that stuff, but there's some of them out there. You just ask them. They got all the answers. He couldn't pull up his quick devotion, see what my daily devotion, if it said anything about this. I don't know if I'm ready for this. He couldn't open his Bible app and turn to the Scripture. He had to already know. He had to already know what words God, what, what words God said, what words God said and what, what God's Word said. Both those fit, right? Y'all get that? He had to know what the Word of God says. He had to know in his heart so, so that even when the devil tried to confuse it and mix it up, he already knew which one was true. So if you and I want to be like Christ, it's got to start with learning God's Word. It's got to start by putting this in our heart and our minds. Anybody, anybody ever have problems come up in life? Anybody ever have things happen in life? I just never thought that happened to me. Anybody have some things that just, just didn't go according to plan? 
Anybody ever look at the people beside you, make sure they're awake? You want to hear this one? Anybody ever been trying to do something for God? You've been trying to serve God. You're working in a ministry. You're trying to do something for the glory of God. You're trying to do something good for God. And we know in our mind that God gave us that to do. We know in our heart God gave me this to do. God, why in the world is everything turning against me? I know you gave me this ministry. I know you gave me this to do. I know you, you told me to do this. But it's like everything is going wrong. Why are you letting it be so hard? I'm just trying to do your will that you gave me to do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Hey, I ain't talking about out there living in the world. I'm talking about in church on Sundays, on Wednesdays. I'm talking about serving in ministry. I'm talking about doing things, trying to serve God. And it seems like everything is fighting against us. We say, well, you know what that is. It's anytime you set out to serve God, the devil's going to come against you. Well, that's true. Anytime you set out to serve God, you can rest assured that the devil's going to come after you with attacks. But the devil can't do anything that God doesn't allow. So that means we're trying to serve God. We're trying to do what God gave us to do, but yet it seems like everything's going wrong. Every way we turn, something's against us. Something's going backwards, upside down, inside out. So, but, but in order for that to happen, God has to allow the devil to do whatever he's doing. So we just don't understand. I'm serving God. So why is it going wrong? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Think about Paul who wrote our text this morning. The Apostle Paul wanted to go to Rome to preach. He, he had this mentality, if I could just get to Rome. If I could just preach at Rome, the most powerful nation on earth at that time. Boy, it would be like a, a springboard to get the gospel all around the world. If I had the attention of the Romans, the Roman authority is literally reaching all around everywhere. So Paul has one desire, get to Rome to preach the gospel. No other desire. He don't want to go sightseeing. He don't care nothing about a trip up to the mountains. He's not looking for a vacation. I don't just need a break, man. I've been serving God. I just need a break. I just need some time off. He don't need none of that. He's got one desire, and it is to preach the gospel so that the gospel might reach around the world. When Paul wrote his letter to the church at Rome, he's never been to Rome. He wrote his letter to the Romans, chapter 9, verse 1, to the church at Rome. He said, God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request that by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come to you. So the church at Rome, he says, I'm praying that by the will of God I can come see you. I long to see you in verse 11. I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Notice that in verse number 10. He, he says, I'm praying. I want to come see you. But, but, but look at what it says, if by any means. I've asked God if there is any possible way. Let me go to Rome. Anybody ever heard, be careful what you pray for? Yes, Lord. <laughs> when he wrote the letter to the church at Rome, 
He hasn't gotten to go to Rome yet. But when he wrote the letter here that we're reading to the church at Philippi, he's in Rome, but he's in prison. He's not there like he planned. See, he didn't have it picture that he would be carried there as a prisoner for simply preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But for Paul, that's where life is. It just hadn't turned out like he planned. I God, I just want to get to Rome, make a way, make finances, give me a raise on my job, make somebody give an offering, some kind of way that I can afford to get to Rome. I bet he never said God locked me up in prison, beat me and carry me over there in a prison ship. So he said, I just want to get over there. All I want to do is serve you. All I want to do is be everything that you want me to be. I wonder how many of us can relate to that. Some things just didn't turn out in life quite like we had it planned. Boy, my financial situation just ain't like I imagined it when I was growing up. Boy, marriage didn't turn out to be what I thought it was going to be. Ooh, children, I mean, I don't even know, that can of worms do it. <laughs> Things just didn't turn out like we planned. Paul could have written this letter to the church at Philippi, and he could have said, whatever you do, pray. Pray for me, I've been locked up over here for nothing, they're beating me, I got them chained up to guards, man. Whatever you do, pray, call all the churches, tell all the brothers and sisters in Christ there at Philippi and send letters to all the churches at Galatia and Ephesus. Send them all out to Corinth, let everybody know to pray. And if God doesn't get me out of this mess, then apparently prayer doesn't work. Anybody ever felt that way? I've prayed all I know to pray. I've asked everybody I know to pray. I'm on the church prayer list of, across 16 counties. I've called everything. I've, I've asked. I've asked God, and it, it just isn't working out the way I thought it should. And we wonder, why didn't God answer my prayer the way I wanted him to? Anybody ever thought that? I promise you I have. I have my own plans. I have my own way. Paul finally goes to Rome as a prisoner, but he still knew he was going there to preach. See, he may not have understood his situation, but he understood exactly who was in control of his situation. See, that's, that's the place we got to get to mentally. Paul was involved in a shipwreck while being transported. You know the story, the shipwreck and the serpent hole deal. I'm going to spend a lot of time there. But in that shipwreck, Paul knew he wasn't going to die. Paul knew that he'd been told by God that he's going to preach at Rome. So he's not holding it against God that he's a prisoner. He knows he's on his way to Rome to preach. And he ain't made it there to preach yet, so he don't have to worry. You can't even kill the apostle Paul at that time because he knows he's got to get to Rome. God told him he's going there. So he says, I'm on my way to Rome. When he gets to Rome, he's placed under house arrest. He's chained to a Roman guard at all times. So Paul... Seizes the opportunity. Paul was there to preach, so he preached. He preached to what he could preach to. It's kind of like us. It's kind of like church. It's kind of like our workspaces, those around us. It's kind of like our neighborhood. Maybe we can't preach to the whole world, but we can preach to who we can preach to. So, so Paul preaches to the guards. Every eight hours, they bring in a new guard. Can you imagine being chained to the Apostle Paul for eight hours? You get saved just getting to be quiet. Every eight hours, they bring him another one. He starts all over with a plan of salvation. 
And for eight hours. But see, he's dealing with guards who are going back to be with other guards. And you bet your bottom dollar when they got back, they were talking about Paul. You spend eight hours with him. When you get back, you tell my man, did that guy tell you this? Oh, yeah, let me tell you. What. So now before you know it, you got two Roman guards talking about Jesus because Paul put it in there. But all of these guards, they have the influence of dignitaries there in Rome. And before you know it, Jesus even gets to preach to dignitaries. Our text from the letter to the church at Philippi, written from a prison cell in Rome. This is what he says in the opening chapter. I would that ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Verse number 14, he says, Many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul says, my being a prisoner here is having an amazing impact around here. God is doing things through this that I can't even comprehend. Paul may not can control his circumstances. Maybe life didn't turn out like Paul drew it up. Maybe it isn't exactly the way he was thinking, but he let God have full control of his mind. He was surrendered to Christ, and God led the thoughts of his mind, which led the actions of his body. Amen? Amen. So Paul, in this letter to the church of Philippi, basically says, I had a plan. And God's plan don't look anything like my plan. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But God's plan has accomplished more than I could have ever imagined. Even though I'm in prison for preaching the gospel, God has blessed me with these prison guards who have all the attention of all these influential people. He said, God has given me a platform, but here's, here's what the next verse is talking about. God has given me a platform not only to preach to Roman guards and to dignitaries in Rome, but it has made a difference in the lives of the church at Rome so that they are much more bold now to go out into the street and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ than they were before I came here as a prisoner. That, that's, that's what he says in his letter. That's how he opens it. But he closes the letter in the closing statements, Brethren, whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. A right life begins with a right thought life. So Paul gives us a few things to think on there, virtue, different things, but, but then he basically says it's not just the things that, that I've highlighted. It's whatever's in your life. There's anything positive in your life. Anything God has done for you in your life. Reach back and hold on and think on the positive things. Because even in an evil world, there's many positive things to think of. Even in this society that we're in, even with all of the wickedness that fills the world, there are things that are right and proper. There are things that are good and just. No matter how bad things are, there's always something to praise God for. Verse number nine, he says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. That, that's a, anybody ever read that thing? That's a pretty bold statement. Let me just go ahead and tell you, just because I do, don't. You know what I'm talking about? Don't look at the things I do and think that's what to do. I'll go ahead and tell you. It don't take me long to let you down. That's not what Paul says. 
Paul says, the things that you've learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Here's what they've seen in Paul. Acts chapter 16, there's a story. There's a young girl, the Bible says she has a spirit of divination, and we would call it demon-possessed. And she's following along behind them day after day, and she's saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Finally, Paul commands the spirit to come out of her because he's had about enough of it. Now, you would think he cast the spirit out. That would bring great praise, right? They would give praise unto him, but oh, no. These men are ticked off because apparently this little girl is a slave girl. And the men are using her and using the power that she has to make money. And now they are ticked off because they have lost the resources that they've been making money from. So the Bible says, Acts chapter 16 and verse 20, they brought them to the magistrate saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. They teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. Multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. When they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. I want to make sure you understand what that means, charging him to keep them safely. That don't mean keep them safe and doctor their wounds and give them some Advil for the pain and take good care of them. That means we are charging you to keep them securely. What it says in a nutshell, these men get out of prison, you're a dead man. Now, we've seen from the cross the brutality of the Romans. So being killed by a Roman ain't the way you want to go. Verse number 24. Who having received such charge, talking about the jailer there. Who having received such charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stock. So they've been beaten according to custom. They would have had their garments stripped off. They would have been stretched over a whipping post so that the skin was stretched out. And they would have been given 39 lashes. Most of them across the back. Probably a couple across the backside. A couple on the legs. Just to make sure. So here they are. Their, their back is kind of like hamburger meat. They're beaten to a pulp. They're hurting all over. They are bleeding profusely from the beating. They are cast into the dungeon, into the innermost part, and they are chained to the wall. This dude ain't taking no chances on them getting out because he knows the fate that's going to happen to him if they get away. Just like in our text this morning, Paul has no control over a situation here, but he has a complete trust in the one who does have control over a situation. I've been around me enough to know I wouldn't understand that. Anybody in a Baptist church say, me too. I'm out preaching the gospel, and I get arrested and get the starch beat out of me, and I'm cast into a dungeon and chained up and, and maybe waiting on execution because all I did was preach. Anybody in here think you might understand what's going on in your world? I'm pretty sure I wouldn't. Here's Paul's line of thinking. Verse number 25. <laughs> At midnight... Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard him. What? Are you kidding me? What have you got to praise him about? You, you look at the situation. You know the pain that you're in. You're sitting there bleeding all over. You change. You can't even take care. I, I'm thinking, what am I supposed to be praising for? Well, I guess that I got 39 lashes, and by code, they wouldn't give me 40 in case it was a miscount. I mean, honestly, I, I'm just thinking, but, but Paul 
begins praising. See, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So in every situation, Paul looks at the goodness of God no matter what. Look at verse 26. Suddenly there was an earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. Now, if the, spring, if the prison door flies open and my bands fall off, anybody want to help me on what my first thought is? Run. Thank you. I'm glad I'm not the only one in here that thinks like I think. Run. Get out. God has made a way of escape, opened the doors, got my chain. He did his time for me to get gone. But Paul did not see it as an opportunity to escape. He saw it as an opportunity to be a witness. Verse 28. Well, I need to back up and talk about the jailer first, don't I? The keeper of the prison. Verse 27, awakening out of his sleep and Seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself. See, that tells you right there, he would rather stab himself and be dead than have to go through what the Romans were going to do to him. I'm better off just kill myself than do what they're going to do to me. Drew out his sword, would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we're all here. Then he called for a light, and he sprang in, came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out and said, Sirs. What must I do to be saved? <laughs> See, that's why Paul could say the things that you both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. But he says, and the God of peace shall be with you. See, it all starts with the thought process. Paul had a thought process that knew that God had everything under control. And whatever was happening, God was going to get glory out of it. You, you cannot defeat a man who knows the power of perpetual thinking. Paul was sold out on the word of God and nothing was going to change it. But in order for you and I to change the way we think, we must know the word of God. Final story, a little brief one. Van, you guys come on. It ain't going to be that brief, but it'll be brief. A ship was sailing and it came up on some islands. These big, they were uninhabited, just rocks everywhere and all around them. Is rocks and the ships going through and the, the turbulence of the ocean is hitting and crashing and splashing and some of them are just under the surface and the waves rolling over them and, and, and it's pretty obvious that if the ship hits one of these rocks traveling through, it'll be certain doom for the ship and everybody on board. A lady watching out the side, she sees the rocks and she sees a couple of narrow misses as they go by and she sees the turbulence of the ocean and, and being fearful, she goes to the captain and she says, Sir, do you know where all of the rocks are? He said, no, ma'am. But I know where the deep water is. We ain't got to know all the devil's tricks. We just got to know where the deep water is. We ain't got to know every trial, every circumstance, everything's going to happen. We don't have to know everything that happens in our circumstance or even why they happen. We just have to know where the deep water is. Life brings a lot of things our way of which we have no control. Anybody say amen. amen. 
We can live in a life of worry, thinking on those things. We can live our life victorious, thinking on godly things. Paul says that the peace of God shall be with you. I took a look at that. I want to give you this to hold on to. Nothing can disturb the peace of God. Anybody hear me? Nothing that happens in space. This new galaxy they supposedly found not too long ago. This star that's exploded. This, this stuff that's going to pass by close to the earth. Nothing that happens in space can change the peace of God. Nothing that happens on earth. Whatever that is happened in my life and your life, whatever that is going on in things of the world, whatever's going on in government, whatever's going on in America, nothing can disturb the peace of God. Not even what the devil tries to do in our world, nothing can disturb the peace of God. It, it is a peace that, that goes beyond all of our troubles. It is a peace that goes beyond all of our ability to comprehend. It goes beyond depression. It goes beyond COVID. It goes beyond the uncertainties of this world. It is a peace that goes beyond stress. It is a peace that goes beyond anxiety. It is a peace that can let you sleep when it makes no sense to be able to sleep. It is the peace that can take us beyond whatever's going on in our life. Nothing, nothing, nothing can disturb the peace of God. Paul says if we get our minds right and we think the things of God, then nothing can disturb that peace. Our text this morning there in Philippians chapter 4, we looked at verse 8 and 9. Two verses prior to that, verses 6 and 7, he says, be careful for nothing. That, that word's another word for anxious. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth, all understanding shall keep your hearts and what? And minds through Christ Jesus. It all starts with the way we think and the things we think about. We need to learn to focus our mind on the things of God, the good things in life. This life ain't going to quit handing us bad things. This life isn't going to stop bringing us bad situations. The devil's not going to stop tempting us. The devil's not going to stop trying us. The devil's not going to stop trying to put us in prison and beat us and cast us up in stocks and chains. The devil's not going to stop trying to steal your testimony. <clears throat> the devil's not going to stop trying to come after you and destroy your life. But the peace of God, 